Don't do it for me. Don't do it for the company. Do it as unto the Lord. This is Wright Vernon with the Lost in the Midlands podcast brought to you by Seawright Roofing. And today I'm with my good friend. He's a deer slayer. He's a veteran. He's a musician. He's a cancer survivor. The man, Bucky Moore. Hey, Bucky, thanks for hanging out. Glad to be here. I am, I'm really excited that you gave me the thumbs up that you were going to come in on the podcast. Um, you have the personality at the Deer Club. So on behalf of everybody out in the woods, we appreciate you keeping us laughing while we're you know, waiting day after day to kill a deer. It's a miracle, isn't it? <laughs> it is. That it is. That it is. Well, Bucky, you, you have a, quite a life story, and I want to jump a little bit into your background, you know, kind of like where you're from, how you got to today, and, you know, kind of paint the picture. Well, you'll have to guide me along how you want to go. Uh, All right, where you, we'll start from where you, where did you grow up? Right here in West Columbia, all my life. Wow. Didn't get very far, did I? <laughs> well, you were in the Navy for a period of time. Several years, yes. On, on, spent all my time on the water. Really? Mm-hmm. And how old were you? At that time? Yeah. I was 17. So you went right from high school to the to the Navy? Yes, sir. They were drafting, and I said, it's my country. I'll volunteer and go. Wow. Well, we appreciate your service. Where where'd you end up going? Uh, well, I spent most of my time over there in the uh, Mediterranean. I was there. I didn't get really, well, you know, on the destroyer uh, where I was stationed when the stuff started with Israel and all that. Yeah. We were there. Uh, but my ship had served in Vietnam and all that, so. World War Two. She was an old girl, but she was uh, home. Yeah. How many people were on the ship? Uh, roughly uh, just under three hundred. Okay. It was a, you knew everybody. How long were you guys at sea? Uh, you'd go in port maybe a week. Yeah. Uh, and you'd be out again for several weeks. Uh, you most of our uh, we left port here in Charleston. We'd be gone for six or seven months. And then you come back and you rotate back out, but you might be here three months, four months, and gone again. That's what it was. How do, you, how do you stay occupied when you're 17 years old on a ship? Uncle Sam keeps you occupied. He's plenty to do on the he ship. Has a, he has a he has a good way of doing that, and he uh, he doesn't hesitate. You know the uh, I hated to hear the reveille call. I hate it, and uh, all and I I hate whistles. Yeah. And I'm in the Navy, and that's what they use, whistles. So whenever I had taught myself, even the basic training, I'd stick my fingers in my ear so I didn't have to hear it, and I'd get up and start my day. And sometimes your day, depending on what watch you had at sea, it might be a 16- or 17-hour day. Wow. Uh, and with, with four hours off because you, yeah, you, you kept moving. Never a dull moment. It might be dull, but you didn't know it at the time. It was life. It was survival. Yeah. And you, uh, we did our job. Glad to do it. You still keep up with anybody who was on that ship? Mostly me. Because <laughs> the, <laughs> That's enough, uh, right? <laughs> the, uh, you, uh, they got a, a, a uh, go on a computer and look up my ship and some of that. And I see a few guys on there that I serve with. Yeah. Uh, for years, I kept up with a guy. Uh, he was a black boy from... Uh, 
Tupelo, Mississippi, and I lived like a brother, Don Shumpert, and he uh, he went he finally went out to California, and I kept up with him for years uh, until his health started failing. He got sick one time, he got messed up on some stuff, and his wife called me and asked me to write a letter. Yeah. And I wrote him a letter to encourage him. Our ship was called USS Strong, and I didn't take I don't write long letters. I just put on there and remember Donnie, only the strong survive. That was our motto that we had for ourselves. Wow. And uh, he wrote me some time later and said, you saved my life. So. That's powerful. The uh, the quote we opened with, um, it kind of speaks to your faith a little bit. Was your faith? Did your faith journey start in the Navy, or was that something that... Now, my grandmother was uh, a great Christian, Yeah. and she uh, took me to church, and I was just a kid, you know, I knew it was a good thing, and I believed what the Word said. In fact, uh, uh, but I didn't get saved until I was uh, probably 30 years old. I was a deacon in the church, <laughs> leading the singing or trying, you know, what little bit of knowledge I had on that. But anyway, the uh, my wife uh, wasn't saved, and, and the preacher who I grew up with, he came out of the house one time and was asking her all these questions, about her salvation, and I was giving her the answers because I knew the book. Yeah. And the preacher asked me if I'd go outside so he could talk to her, and I, because it was him. We were like brothers. I said, yeah. And she accepted the Lord, which I'm glad I had enough sense to get out the house. Sometimes it's time for you to move and step aside and let somebody else take over. Yeah. And you were you were at that point leading the choir. Yeah, I was very involved in the church. When did you start singing? When I was about two years old. I sang in the backseat of my daddy's car, and my granddaddy had a radio, and uh, we was riding down the road one time going hunting. I was about eight or nine. Yeah. And I'd always have this little song. I'd make them up or I'd listen. I loved Bing Crosby, even as a kid. And I would listen to that, and I'd make up ditties, and I'd sing. And one day I was singing on the way to the hunting club, and I quit singing. And Granny started banging the radio. He said, it, it broke. I said, what's wrong? He said, the radio quit. I said, it wasn't on. I was me singing. He said, I know it, but he says, you're my radio, so let's get back on broadcast. <laughs> so he was a good guy. He's my buddy. That's pretty cool. Yeah, when you invited me to uh, come hang out with you guys at church, and I heard you sing, I was like, What? I had no idea that you had this hidden talent because you don't sing out in the woods. Uh, deer don't like it. Deer don't like it. They don't. No, they'll run. So I, I keep my mouth shut in the woods. I mean, y'all have an impressive choir over there. They're good, and even though I'm in it. I try to hide. Too humble. Too humble. We won't ask you to sing a song unless you feel obliged. <laughs> His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. Anything else, you'd like to come to church and hear it. Fair enough. This is Wright Brennan, the owner of Sea Wright Roofing. When it comes to the maintenance of your roof, you want to know that you have an experienced team that knows what they're doing. And with 10 years in the business, we check all the boxes. Leaky roof, storm damage, or just overdue on maintenance, give us a call at 803-828-4181 for a free estimate. Again, that's 803-828-4181. And remember, our commitment is to roof it the right way. After the military, what happened? 
I met the most wonderful woman in the world, my wife. And uh, she was 17, I think 18. She was in high school. I was a young, you know, dud, not a stud. <laughs> and uh, 19, thought I had the world about a tail. Yeah. And that's a foolish notion. Yeah. At, uh, and I met her uh, almost by accident. And I remember I was took her home. That was an accident because I was sitting there. I didn't even know the kid. And she she uh, told her cousin, who was my one of my, my my cousin, her best friend, she said, I need to go home now. And it's like somebody hit me in the back of the head, and I said, I'll take you. And I'm thinking, why did I say that? <laughs> so I took her home, and uh, I didn't have enough sense to know. I didn't know anything about girls. I still don't. I know about one a yeah. little bit. And I said, uh, when she got out, I didn't open the door nothing. I had a 72 Mustang. I still have it. And I t- watched her walk to her front door, and I said to myself, take a good look, dummy. That's the last time you see the nicest girl you ever met. Lo and behold, and I know that we've been married almost 50 years come July. Wow. Congratulations. That's what some people tell us. They look at her and say, it took a miracle. <laughs> and I agree. Okay, what's your secret to 50 years of marriage? Or what tips would you give a man? My wife's uncle, Pat Buck, said to me at our wedding day, I'm going to give you uh, three words yeah. that will help you in your marriage. And he said, listen carefully. And I did. He said, whatever she does, just say it was two words, yes, dear. And I've been saying yes, dear, for almost 50 years. The biggest thing is is put God in the center of your marriage. Mm. Uh, without God, your marriage is on shaky ground. And I can shake it up pretty good. <laughs> I'm, I'm like quicksand. I'm like a bull in a china closet. And uh, my wife can turn me around in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. Wise words. People listening, 50 years, the proof's in the pudding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Thank you. That's awesome. I want to also ask you about a, a re, uh, another experience in your life. I know you're a cancer survivor, mm-hmm. and you fought that battle. Still fight. Tell me a little bit about how that impacted you. Well, it was an amazing situation that occurred uh, in regard to the cancer. I met a man, uh, Steve Williams, who had mele- what is it, mesothelioma. This man was a genius. He was something else. Anyway, I met him uh, on a fishing trip. He couldn't load his boat, and he couldn't walk 25 feet without gasping for air. He got to talking about the service. When I told him what I did in the service, he said, that's what he did. He said, you're right on this time frame where it's going to hit you if you're going to get it. He said, you probably got something going on right now. He said, go to the hospital and have them give you an x-ray. So I did. Lo and behold, I had it some on my left lung cancer cells or whatever, tumors. Yeah. And they went in there in 2011 or 12, and uh, they did their their routine. I wasn't fit for nothing for a year. And uh, came through that, and then about five years later, it popped back up on me in the same place. Mm. And the surgeon said, I'm not going to cut on you. He said, but I need to tell you something before I go any further. He said, they tell you you've got a survival rate of five years. He said, really, it's two. 
He said, and look at you. I said, well, that's got to be God. That's all I can attribute to. And for some reason, he's, uh, as sorry as I am, he's decided that he's not quite ready for me yet. To me, it also goes back to what you told your buddy. Only the strong survive, Bucky. You got to want to live. You got to want to uh, be an impact positive impact you can either be a positive force in people's lives or a negative force i chose a long time ago to be a positive force even though i'm far from uh, what i would think god would have me to be but you're dealing with this fleshly tabernacle you live in yeah and you're constantly bombarded by the enemy satan himself and uh the uh, trust in god and reliance on him and then surrounding yourself with the right people. You will be what you surround yourself with. If you put yourself in a dirty bottle, you're going to be dirty. You try to put yourself in a clean situation, the results will be a lot better. Yeah. Powerful worlds. You, I mean, this, you're, you're, you're telling me something that um, I've heard some of this stuff before. You know, it's, it's interesting how the, the idea that you surround yourself with good people and, you know, that's going to influence you. And, and just like you said, you can decide to also be a good influence on other people. You hear these things, and you hear them from multiple people. So there's got to be something to it. I, I, You've got to be willing to admit to yourself that, you know, you might actually make a mistake. Yeah. Uh, I've learned that uh, I, wrote, I had a thing at the house. I wrote it years ago when I was in a pretty low spot. And God gave it to me. And I wrote it. It's about 20 or so things. And I, that's one of the things I wrote down. Admit you could actually be wrong. Yeah. And you learn from your mistakes. If you don't learn from your mistake, that's the worst mistake you've made. Yeah, that's that is a tough lesson to learn. Get get over on the own ego. I, mean, I missed that <laughs> book the other week. That was a big mistake, but I learned from it. Yeah. Shoot, shooting the right spot next time. Oh, okay. Where were you aiming? I was actually aiming a high shot, which is not wrong, not a bad shot. Right in the shoulder is where you want to shoot. But I had I just kind of misjudged, and I shot a little higher. Yeah. And uh, I, I I shot over him, which I'm glad I did. Didn't didn't pierce him and wounded him. One animal. thing it pierced was my heart. Uh, how big was this? A big buck? I could tell you he weighed 500 pounds, but no, he he, he, <laughs> he probably I think he probably weighed about 180, 190 pounds. Oh, okay, okay. What stand was he on? Uh, I won't tell you until later <laughs> after I shoot him. We, we won't put this on there. All right, fair enough. But you can probably guess it if you go look around where I shot. I could. I'm, well, I won't do that. I'm not going to, you know. It don't matter. It don't matter. The season's over. In fact, I'll tell you, stand 25. Stand 25, okay. And you have to find the track. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Well, tell me, lastly, let's talk a little bit about deer hunting. We are members of this awesome club. That's how we met, Rack and Spur. That's right. And you and... Clyde have been great friends, um, and y'all have been friendly to me. I like to say that, you know, I pre it's a privilege to be y'all's friend. Sometimes I'm not sure where I fall in line. You're fine. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, what do you like about the club? What, what's your favorite part about being out there? I love nature. My granddad raised me up in the forest, in the woods, hunting and fishing. Yeah. And it kind of always takes me back to when I was a child. I'm trying to get my grandson who's only about nine years old interested in it but he's he's still just a little fella yeah uh but uh i grew up with it 
it's in my blood. And I got away from it for some years because I had nowhere to go. Yeah. Then when the cancer hit me, I told the wife, I said, I'm going to spend the rest of my days trying to do right, but I, I'm going to get back in the woods because I, I find peace out there. I get out there and I pray. Yeah. And I'll just uh, enjoy nature. You, you see all sorts of things. Deer hunting is more than killing the deer. Yeah. It's enjoying your surroundings, the colors, the uh, different animals, the squirrels and different things, and birds, especially the turkeys. Saw a nice one the other day. Look forward to seeing it in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, just around the corner. I can certainly relate to that. It, it is more than just shooting the deer. And well, it's to, and it's the guys, you know. Yeah. The, the fellowship with the guys and trying to be an influence to them in the right way, because you know a bunch of guys get together, you can hear all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and I try to be a positive, even though I'm far from the man I would like to be. But yeah, being around guys, men should be around men. Hey, look, I appreciate you trying to keep things above board out there. You know, everybody, we need to set those boundaries <laughs> so that things stay stay on the up and up. So, heck yeah, much appreciated. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to next season. Lots of work to be done between now and then. Uh, I told Donnie McDonnie, I give him a shout-out. He fixed my four-wheeler this year after I ran right into a tree. Um, one of our members, everybody out there is looking out for each other. And he's got an awesome auto shop out in Red Bank. So, McDonnie's, check him out. And, um, yeah, man, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Appreciate your friendship. And, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been an awesome experience, especially out at Rack and Spur. Shout out to the leadership out there doing an awesome job. Give the names, right, Rob and the boys. Uh, Rob, Jeff, and Mr. Phil, the president. Yeah. You guys are doing a fantastic job. That's we, right. We appreciate you guys keeping like, we got like 60 of us deer hunters out there causing a ruckus. Well, we got 60 members anyway. 60 members, thousands of acres. Yeah, yeah we, got it, we got it going on. So, Bucky, thank you, man. My pleasure. Thank you. Many thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a follow and click the bell to stay up to date on future episodes. Or click the link to watch another previous episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and please leave us a comment. We'd love to hear your feedback.